Welcome to the Live Love Ministries podcast, a place where we share thoughts, insights, and experiences from the mission field. I'm Eric. I'm Brittany. And I'm Julia. And we're the Live Love Ministries team. All right, welcome back to the Live Love Ministries podcast. We have a special episode for you today. Again, this is season two that we have kind of had a theme called Staying the Course. And we hope you enjoyed the last episode of Julia sharing about what it is like to be single on the mission field and how God has sustained her through her time here. Well, today uh, is a little bit different. Like I said, uh, I was recently on a trip to Malawi to spend some time with our ministry partners um, there in the country of Malawi in Southern Africa. And one of the things that we get to do in Malawi is spend some time ministering and teaching in a refugee camp. And so Malawi has a really, really large refugee camp, about 55,000 refugees, mostly from sub-Saharan Africa. And if you've listened to some of our podcasts in the past, we've talked about it before. Um, But I was there this time, and I was by myself. Brittany and Julia didn't get to make this trip. Thanks, COVID, for that. Um, And so uh, I went by myself and got to spend some time there in the camp. And so while I was in the camp, I was able to interview a few people and stay within the theme of staying the course. And so the people that I interviewed, you're going to hear an episode today, and then we're going to have another episode in the future. They're both already recorded, but we're going to do one at a time. Uh, The first one you're going to hear is from a young lady named Tracy. Um, Tracy is a refugee from the Democratic Republic of Congo who his family has fled um, because of war and because of some serious things going on. And Brittany and Julia have not heard uh, the podcast. They haven't heard her interview. They haven't heard my conversation with her. And they're here with me. So they're, they're right in the same room. And so what, what we're going to do is they're going to listen to Tracy's podcast. And I spent some time asking her. It's a short, short conversation. Um, they're going to listen to my conversation with her. And they're going to spend some time just reacting to it because they they haven't heard this story. And then we're going to talk about um, how God uh, has sustained her and her family and how uh, others can be encouraged by her story. So, ladies, are you ready to hear? I'm ready. From Tracy. And then, so you guys take some time, listen, listen closely. And uh, if you are listening as well uh, to the podcast, uh, Tracy does speak English. But her English does have a very definite accent, so you may have to listen really closely to what she's saying, but she does speak well, um, and she's a very articulate young lady. And so, ladies, I'm going to put her on now so you can hear her story, and then we will go from there. I'm coming to you from Malawi, from the country of Malawi, inside um, Zaleka Refugee Camp. You guys have heard us talk about uh, the refugee camp on our podcast in the past and I'm coming to you live from there right now well it's not technically live you will hear it uh, replayed but it is recorded live in the camp and I'm sitting uh, with some really good friends that I feel like are amazing and I want them to share their story with you I do not have uh, Brittany and Julia with me today it's just me by myself hosting Um, They were unable to make the trip, but as you know, this place is very important to us and very special to us, Uh, and it's been a big part of our ministry for the last several years, Um, and I want to share more of it with you. 
Um, as you know, if you listen to the first podcast uh, for season two, um, we are doing a theme this year called Staying the Course. And we did the first uh, episode over being single on the mission field as a young lady. And Julia, we interviewed Julia and she did that. Um, and sort of, so the theme sort of is how do we stay the course? How do we stay committed? How do we make it through hard times? How does, how does God sustain us through the difficult stuff? How do we stay on task with what he's called us to do? So I have an awesome young lady here with me. Her name is Tracy, and she has been living here in the camp for about seven years, correct? And I want Tracy just to share a little bit of her story, if she feels comfortable doing so. And then I will, um, I will ask her some questions, some follow-up questions from there. So Tracy, why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself, tell a little bit about yourself, your age and all that and then your story. Thank you, Pastor Eric. Um, my name is Tracy. I am 20 years old. I've been living in Zaleka refugee camp for seven years now. I came with my family when I was 13 years old. We're from the Democratic Republic of Congo. We did not leave our country willingly. Some circumstances made us leave the country. Um, my father was part of a religious that okay, was part of a church whose leader was a political leader so okay. he wanted to overthrow the acting president by that time it was joseph kabila he thought that joseph kabila was not leading the country according to the way things mm -hmm. were supposed to be so he uh organized a coup d'etat okay and, yeah. so for for american speakers a coup a coup, right? Yeah, so, a coup d'etat. So if you're listening and you don't know a lot about uh, African history, there has been a war going on in the DRC in Congo for, for many, many years. And she's sharing the story of how her father was, was became caught up in something that was going on with the war because of his pastor, right? Yes. Okay. So uh, the pastor organized the coup d'etat. It was on a certain day in December. It was in Kinshasa, the capital of DRC. So we lived in Lubumbashi. In Lubumbashi, there's a branch of the church. Okay. My father on that day was at church with other leaders in the church organizing um, a prayer of overnight. It was on 30th December. So every end of the year, they organize a celebration, I can say, from 31st December to 1st January of the other okay. year. So there were in the middle of preparations when they suddenly saw soldiers surrounding the church mm -hmm. and some were shot at others who got the chance ran away and others were detained okay so back up just a minute yeah so for you listening if you didn't catch that she said they were at a prayer service a regular normal thing that they do every year okay it was a meeting to prepare a prayer service okay a meeting to get ready for a prayer service yes. okay perfect but they were just doing normal church things. Yes. And some soldiers show up with guns and surround the church. Yeah. Okay? And then you said some people were shot. Yeah. And some people were able to run away. Yes. Okay. And my father was among the ones who were detained. Mm -hmm. They were taken to a prison and they were detained there for several days without trial. Mm. So upon hearing what happened, my mom decided to go to some NGO, some human rights NGO, for them to advocate for my father's rights because we knew that he was innocent mm -hmm. and he had to be released from prison. Mm -hmm. And they were kept, 
they're keeping him there without any trial, which mm -hmm. was not fair. So my mom went to see the NGOs, which started advocating. They put pressure on the government to release my dad because mm -hmm. he was innocent. Mm -hmm. Upon seeing that, the government was not happy. Mm -hmm. So they sent some soldiers to our house. Mm. It was uh, a certain day at night. My mom was cooking. So the soldiers came, they knocked. So they knocked with terror. Nobody mm. dared to go not, and open the door. Not just a little, we're here, yeah. but a banging. Yeah. Okay. So after seeing that no one was opening the door, the soldiers broke the door open. Mm. And when they entered the house, they forced the three of us to sit on the floor. So you, your mom. And my brother. Your brother, okay. Yes. They pointed guns at us, threatening mm. us to stop telling the NGOs to advocate for my father because they said that would not lead to anywhere, no mm. results. And they said that if we continued, they would kill us. Mm. We were so afraid that day. And to make sure that we did not move or go to see the NGOs anymore, they put us under house arrest. Wow. Yeah, so we stayed in the house for almost a month. We had some food in the house, but eventually it got finished. Food wow. became a problem. So your dad stayed in prison Yes. for that month yes. so far. And you were on house arrest. Yeah, me run, and my mom and my brother. Running out of resources, running out of food, yeah. water, things of that nature. Okay. But we had some courageous neighbors who could sneak out mm. in the compound sometimes to give us some food, but it was once in a while. Mm. And uh, my grandfather noticed my our absence, my mom, brother, yeah, and me. So he made sure to help my father escaped from prison because he knew one of the guards at the prison mm -hmm. and he also helped us, me, my mom and my brother to escape. Mm -hmm. So that's how we left our country and came to Malawi. So you were born and raised in DRC until you were 13 years old, yes. correct? Yes, yes. And your father was born and raised until he was a, a grown man, adult, yeah, a father. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My, my mother too. And your mother as well. Yes. And then your brother until he was mm -hmm. what? Uh, he was... 10 or Okay, nine. he was 10. Yeah. So for up until that point, your entire family's entire life was in DRC. Yes, That's all you'd it was ever in known. DRC. And it all changed in an instant. Yeah, in an instant. In an instant. A normal day, and then soldiers show up, and yeah. life has never been the same since. Since, yeah. Correct. And so tell me what it was like. I mean, I know you were you were 13, so it, obviously you're a little younger then. Yeah. But give me some of the initial thoughts when you left. Like, what were the final thoughts? Like, when you closed the door for the last time, leaving your house, what was kind of going through your mind? Okay, what was going through my mind the night we fled is, where are we going? Are we going to meet the same soldiers? Where are we mm. going? Are we going to be safe? Mm -hmm. So I was really worried about my safety and my mm. family's safety. Mm -hmm. And I was also asking, where is my dad? Are we mm -hmm. running away without my father? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you made it where? From there. You left the house. You took off. Where Where did you make it to next? Okay. So next, our next stop was at Kasumbalesa. It's a city bordering Tanzania and DRC, like okay. the southern part of DRC. So from there, we boarded a truck mm -hmm. into Tanzania that brought us to Malawi. Okay. So you took a truck. Was your dad with you at this point? Well, we met our, my dad at Kasumbalisa. Okay. We found him there already okay. with my grandfather. So you were able to come together as a family yes. there and make it on a truck to Malawi. Yeah. Okay. You got to Malawi. 
and you find yourself in Zaleka refugee camp. Yeah. Okay. It was pretty strange at first. I bet. Yeah. So what was the first few days like? They were terrible. Just shock, like overwhelmed a little? Yeah, I never slept in a grass-thatched house at mm -hmm. first, but that was the first time I slept in one. And mm -hmm. that was the first time I actually saw one. Mm -hmm. It was really terrible. Like, these houses have insects all mm -hmm. over sometimes, mm -hmm. and sometimes you could spend sleepless nights. Mm -hmm. But with time, we got used, you know, yeah, natural selection. Yeah. You have to adapt, <laughs> otherwise you don't survive. Yeah. Okay. And so you got to the camp, you, you, you were able to breathe a little and relax just a, a, a little bit. You're adjusting to new life. Yeah. Your family is, is safe. Yeah, it w the life is not perfect, but I can say that it's safe. It's safe, okay. And then your, your parents uh, have adjusted as well. They, they have, have made their life here. Your brother's grown up here. Yeah, yeah. And so now you found a church home yes. once you got here. Yeah, a big home. Yeah, and so that's kind of been your, um, like the staple, the, the strong thing in your life. Yeah. yeah. How, how quickly did you find your church home? Um, I think after one year. Mm -hmm. At first we were hesitating to join any church here, around here because we didn't know so many people and uh, we did not have a clear picture of how churches are here. Mm -hmm. But once we got into Integrity Family Church, some months later we, we realized that this is where we have to mm. be. This is where God wants us to be. And so you've been here now then for six years? Yes, six I years can at say the church. so. And you don't just attend church, you're, you're involved, you, you lead yeah, things. You yeah, do, yeah, yeah, I do. It's a big part of your life. Yeah, it has, and it has helped me to develop so many skills. Like, I have discovered myself more mm -hmm. while being in this church. Mm -hmm. Okay, so life in the camp. We did a, a, we did a podcast episode last season on mm -hmm. life in this camp. And so we don't have to go into details about everyday life. But I want you to think about life in the camp. It's, it, it can be difficult, right? Uh, resources are extremely limited. Yeah. Living conditions are extremely difficult at times. There's a lot of crowding, a lot of people. Education can be very limited at times. Yeah, yeah. Um, and many young people, when they come to the camp, um, struggle to, to make it, if you will. They, I don't mean by not live, I mean struggle to succeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you guys who are listening, uh, you don't know Tracy, but um, I do. And she has done some amazing things in her short life. And she has been able to further her education. She's been able to um, find a job and uh, is able to do some reporting, which I think is super yeah, cool. Yeah. She's learned English well, as you can hear. She's fluent in English. And she has become uh, a leader in her church and then leads also younger people than her uh, in a youth group. And so she does a lot of that, does, does some help in organization with that. And so she's become a leader within her own community. Yeah. So my question is, with all the adjustments, with the difficulty of leaving your home country, with the things that you saw, the trauma that that could have brought on, the the pressure that was on your parents to, to get you here, mm -hmm. coming to the camp, adjusting to the camp, figuring life out, why did you not give up? Why, why did you use it? Because you've shared with me that you used it not to bring yourself down, but as a platform to move forward, okay? Yeah. So why did you not give up? I didn't give up because of Jesus. Mm. Um, actually, 
I met Jesus in this church. Yeah, when right, I came, okay. I was little, you know. Mm-hmm. I was mommy and daddy's girl. When they go to church, I go to. I used to go to church because of my parents. Mm-hmm. But when I came in this church and I started growing in this church, I met Jesus, and that's where I saw the meaning of my life. Mm-hmm. I saw that. Sometimes some bad things may happen to us, but God has a purpose mm-hmm. behind it. Yeah. So I tell myself that God had a purpose behind the bad incidents I met in my home country. Mm-hmm. He wanted me to come here and do something, and mm-hmm. He is the one who has kept me going mm-hmm. through prayers, le- reading the Word of God, attending services, mm-hmm. counseling from my pastor, from mm-hmm. my parents. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, God has made. He has given me a family here. He has made my life complete mm-hmm. more than it was in my home country. That's so cool. Yeah. So, the difficult situation in your life eventually led to your salvation. Yes. Which is a really, really, really cool story. Yes. Um, and I think uh, that makes it all worth it. You know. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make that that it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that it wasn't hard. Yeah. But you've been able to see God sustain you through all of that. Yes. Okay. So. As God has sustained you and God has opened doors for opportunity for you, why don't you tell those who are listening kind of what's next for you? You've had some big news lately, some great things happening in your life. Why don't you share that with the people who are listening uh, the next step and how God is leading you through that? Yeah, and actually one thing that I did not mention to you is that I am the youth leader here okay. in the camp. Awesome. Yeah. So, so out, you're not talking about church. You're talking about inside the yes, camp inside itself. Yes, inside the camp. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I finished my secondary education in 2019. Mm-hmm. And one year later, I applied for a scholarship, a Canadian mm-hmm. scholarship. And thanks to God, I got the scholarship. Mm-hmm. So in August or September this year, I'll be going to Canada for studies. And now uh, I will be resettled in Canada. Wow. Yeah. That is so amazing. I'm kind of upset that it's Canada and not the United <laughs> States. Um, I was hoping that Tracy and her family would be resettled, maybe but even in Arizona, but you know, what can we say? Don't worry. Canada yeah. is closer to America than Malawi That is, is a fact. Yeah. yeah. In fact, it is a lot closer. But she has been able to, to receive a scholarship, and she's going to go to Canada and further her education. Um, and she has a whole life ahead of her yeah. that could be entirely different Yes. had God not been able to sustain you and walk with you through all of that. And so it's a perfect example of what we talked about, staying the course, you know, being able to know that God has a plan for you, yeah, yeah. know that God has a purpose for your life. That's very important. It keeps us going. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how did, if you were to give advice to other students, other people who are struggling, adults yeah. or students, what would you say to them? Uh, I would just say something simple. No matter how heavy the rain is, mm-hmm. the sun will shine one day. All right. That's good. I yeah. like it. I like it. Well, I want to thank you for your time. Do you have anything else you want to share? Um, I think that's enough. Okay. Yeah. So um, Tracy and her family have hosted me while I was here. Um, and so I've been staying in their home and sharing meals with them and their family. Um, they're they are very uh, growing very dear to me. Um, they're a family who loves Jesus and loves others and shows that uh, they have the gift of hospitality and it's very evident in their life. Um, and I look forward to what God's going to do in your life, yes. Tracy. And uh, I'm glad I, I got to see a small part of it. And, and You'll uh, see much more to come. Uh, Don't worry. I hope so. I hope I get to see all the great things that God's going to do in your life. And so yeah. I appreciate you. 
Um, and I know that this will be encouraging to those who listen. So hope you guys uh, enjoyed that. And um, if you have any questions, we have a place on our website that you can ask questions, some follow-up questions to the podcast. And so if you want to do that, if maybe you, you thought I should have asked Tracy another question or you had a clarification you wanted from her or just, just some advice from, from her, what she's gone through, or some advice for her as she makes the transition to the United States, unfortunately not the United States, to Canada, <laughs> maybe. I'm trying to speak it into existence. I'm trying to make it be the United States. Yeah. But as she makes her transition to, to Canada, that's a big move. Yeah, and, it is. But uh, I, I see that you've been able to adjust to, to many, many difficult things. Yeah, and so, so it won't be difficult. This is a, this is a good thing you, yeah, you're getting to do. Is. So I'm really proud of you. So. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Okay. You heard Tracy's story. I know it was powerful. I know it's impactful. So you guys react to it. Let's just have a conversation about it. So pretend you just listened to somebody else's podcast, not your own, and you heard her story. How would you respond? What are some things you would say? Who wants to go first? I mean, it's super powerful. Um, We just basically had to take a pause because I sobbed for about 10 minutes straight. (laughs) She, yeah, 10 minutes would be a little bit. It was more like 20, 20 or 30. You started crying part of the way through the conversation and then for another. Whatever. But it, it's good. It's okay. Whatever. Um, I just think that it's just, I mean, there's no really other word to describe it, but powerful. Just how traumatic all kinds of the the experience, her dad's imprisonment, and then the house arrest, and the people coming and pulling their guns on them and soldiers kicking in the door, and the journey, and to get to Malawi, and then being in a new country and a new place, and all of it is just, I, I mean, obviously I didn't live through it, but I just know it's super traumatic, and just to know that like when she answered the question, like what sustained you? And it was Jesus. Like there was nothing else. There mm-hmm. couldn't be anything else. And just how God, like she said, used, like she can even see how he used these things to, for her to have a relationship with him. And so I just think, wow, just, I don't know. I guess it's powerful, but it can also be convicting because it's like, how many of us here in the U.S. could say the same thing mm-hmm. if we were to experience those same things? Yeah, yeah. Um, so many of us would bail for something much smaller than mm-hmm. even that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like when difficulties come, it's like you really see, is your faith really in Christ or is it in circumstances, yeah. you know? Yeah. And she was able to say, like she, I don't, you heard her say, she didn't meet Jesus until she got to the camp. And so she had to now look back on all of the journey and all of that and be able to say it was even then Jesus sustained me. So that's a mature thought. I mean, you think of a 20-year-old, you know. Mm-hmm. Most 20-year-olds that we know, you know, are, are not <laughs> thinking in that line, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just thought that was really neat. And, and just sitting there, like, with her to hear her say, Jesus, like, she didn't say, you know, she didn't even say her parents, she didn't say this, she didn't say, you know, it's because we did this. It was simply 
Jesus, an uncoached, like legitimate, truthful answer coming from somebody who who loves now loves Jesus. And so I just thought that was awesome. But to be her to see the or to think about her looking back and seeing it that way. So anyway, continue on. Um, I don't know. I'm still thinking a lot, but I think in a way it was really encouraging to think about how somebody could experience so much trauma and like Jesus still saved them and they're like, I mean, she's about to go to college in Canada. And so I think it just shows like the power of God. Like I think a lot of times when somebody goes through like something traumatic, I mean, we see it here a lot and it's not even like nearly as traumatic and they just fall off the wagon and they don't want anything to do with Jesus but it's like she's you know living proof that like no matter what happens in your life that Jesus is still able to save you and that you can like walk with him and love him and like fight sin and not use like your past or your experiences as an excuse Mm -hmm. yeah yeah she could have very well said and she and that's what we kind of mentioned in the stories there are some uh, kids her age, uh, younger, older, e- either one that that aren't in the same place where she is, you know, in the sense that mm-hmm. they let that define them. And we see that so much here, as you're saying, you know, people go through difficult circumstances and then all of a sudden it's like, well, God can't be that good if I'm going through this or why is this happening? And so they just bail altogether, have a very circumstantial faith rather than rooted in, in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so uh, I, yeah, I think it's very encouraging. I think it is convicting at the same time, but it's also like there's hope that people can get it, you know, too. Yeah. Like we, we think, you know, sometimes we, golly, will people ever understand or people, people ever get it or will they ever overcome this? And, and, you know, everybody's at different places and God does different things in their lives. But at the same time, like there is hope that people can overcome the difficult circumstances that they're in. And, and the, one of the things that I think is unique about her difficult circumstances, she did not create it. So many times we meet people who are in difficult circumstances that they helped create and still struggle with, well, why is God allowing this to happen? Well, sometimes it's not God allowing it to happen. It's a product of the choice that you made. But she didn't make this choice. But she was still able to see that God sustained her through it and look back on it and say, how wow. God got me here because of this. God used those difficult circumstances to lead me to where I am so that I can meet Jesus. I mean, obviously, if she'd been given the choice to begin with, she would have chose to stay in her home country. But now she's able to see, had I done that, I may or may not have ever met Jesus. You know, it may be a totally different story. Yeah, I think if anything, like, she had a reason to not want to go to church considering her dad was arrested, like, in a church. Mm -hmm. But, like, it also shows, like, the faith of her parents, you know, that they did, you know, end up going back to church instead of blaming the church. They, like, knew that, you know, Jesus was the only one that was going to get them through it. And it wasn't Jesus's fault, you know? Yeah, yeah. They could have very well said, man, forget church. If it wasn't for church, we would still be at home, you know, for yeah, or thinking about. You had mentioned off, off air, like, how hard would it have been to trust another pastor because that's kind of what led her or led them excuse me to to be arrested you know like i'm going to open myself up to another spiritual leader am i going to wind up again hurt beyond beyond comprehension you know 
It's one thing to be hurt by church. There's one thing to lose your home, your country, your culture, and everything you've ever known and leave your parents. Her parents left their parents behind uh, and their their siblings and all of that stuff. Their home, they walked away from their home, you know. His job, he was a teacher. She didn't mention this. Her father was a teacher and had taught students for years and loves to teach. He told me if he could ever do anything, he would want to teach again. And he hopes to eventually get resettled with her in Canada and, and go back to teaching. But he had to walk away from it. One day, like, I want you to think about it. Show up for church on a Sunday, uh, and then that's it. Something happens, and you're never going home again. Not only are you never going home, you're going to a totally different country you know, to live with other people who are never going home again. So, I don't know. You can get, what else? What other thoughts you have? I think also something that was just, you know, came up was like this is her story but there's 55,000 people that live in that camp just in that camp and all of those people have similar stories maybe not the same but they're all fleeing somebody trying to kill them and so that's 55,000 people in that camp and there's other camps you know obviously so there's you know tons of refugees it's like when we hear this story, because we know her, I guess, we know other refugees, it's like it hits really close to home. Like, wow, can't believe people can experience things like that. But honestly, so many of us, even Christians here in the U.S., don't give thoughts to anything like that, to, to other people's stories or what they're living through. And when we hear that we can accept refugees in our country, it doesn't even cross our mind to think, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a great idea. Like, yeah. this is a family. This is this is actually happening to people, right. and we have the opportunity to welcome them, mm-hmm. to love them, to help them resettle, and to show them Jesus. If they don't know Jesus, mm-hmm. if they do, then to show, hey, we we have the love of Jesus too, and we mm-hmm. want to help you in our country. And just to think, so many of us just turn a blind eye to that or say. Some of us say we don't even want them right. here. Yeah, some people make it political and like, we don't want other people coming that don't belong here, whatever, yeah. And that's just, that's so sad to me because you think about the blessing that Tracy and her family are mm-hmm. and how when they're in Canada, they're going to be a blessing to whoever they're around, you know, mm-hmm. that God is going to use them there. And so... And she's going to reach people for Jesus. Right. You know, and, and, and you're right. Like, obviously... People that are, are struggling and hurting are 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 passion are, are passion of all of ours. Like you know, um, but when you you think about refugees and you think about what they've been through, and if you can really give it thought and, and understand, you know, these people are are fleeing. They're in really bad shape. You know, really, really through, and still say, "Well, you don't belong in our country. Get out of here." It's more important about taking care of America first. I think there's some really a big disconnect between the message of Jesus and the hope of Jesus and the hope of the gospel and Jesus' call to go to the nations. I think there's a huge disconnect. Being American and being Christian are not synonymous with one another, you know. And so when you take the stand of, you know, America first or whatever, you're you're kind of excluding the nations, you know, and saying my heart is not for the nations, and then if you can can say that, I, I think it begs the question: Do we really know Jesus? Do we really understand the gospel to go to all people? You know, obviously, I'm not I'm not 
you know, you can go any way you want to with my, my thoughts here. But, but the thing is, when you really think about people, I mean, if you have a heart for people and people's stories are such like this, like you're saying, a camp full of them, people all over, and you can say, no more refugees, no more people coming here just because I want to protect my way of life and protect what, what is mine. And if your thought is me first, our country first, I think you're missing the picture of Jesus. I mean, mm-hmm. what do you guys think? Yeah. yeah. I mean, love God and love others. Yeah. And so if you're above those, then obviously that's... My thoughts yeah. there don't make me a lot of friends. I'm, on, I'm honest, <laughs> and especially in like really hyper-conservative circles, you know, they think I'm crazy, liberal, or whatever. I'm not. I, I, I think it's God's call to, to, to love the nation, to love the ethne, the people. it's as simple as like loving your neighbor as yourself you know they're not our physical neighbor but these people like fleeing their countries it's like if you have kids you know it's like would you want your kids to be treated that way Mm -hmm. like I was even just thinking about you know she was 13 and her brother was nine and I'm thinking about the kids that I know that age like that's like heartbreaking and for you to be able to say I don't want them in my country they're not American Mm -hmm. (laughs) just I think really just shows where your heart is at and yeah. what you value and what you love yeah so right. so I, th- I think yeah. this story is in- encourages uh, encourages us maybe even to get out of our comfort zone a little bit um, and to meet people maybe that have a different story than mm-hmm. we do yeah because when we do that we learn from each other and you know, proximity to somebody sometimes changes your perspective on things. Mm-hmm. And so instead of it being a new story or a statistic, it becomes a real person that mm-hmm. you look in the yeah. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And when you can do that, it's hard to deny the things that are going right. on. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's kind of been a, a personal story with our family. And of course, obviously this is very close to us because, you know, our, our kids came from this refugee camp, some of them did, mm-hmm. um, lived there. And so obviously yeah. it's super close, but that's what I'm saying is like to know their story. When you sit down and listen to them and hear their story, it just, it just changes things. Mm-hmm. It becomes just a real person, somebody that's created in the image of God sitting mm-hmm. right across from you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how can I have negative thoughts about God's creation this way? It's mm-hmm. just not, yeah, they, it just doesn't work yeah. that way. Yeah, and I think you, you think about Jesus just telling about the Good Samaritan. Like, who's my when a guy asks who's my neighbor, he basically says it's the one who's been beaten up and the one who's been left by everybody else and the one who religious folk have walked away from and abandoned. That's your neighbor, the one who is struggling, the one who is hurting. Pick them up, bind them up, help them, sacrifice so that they can be loved on and they can be taken care of. And, and, and again, I think to turn a blind eye to those in need, especially in these kind of situations, is to miss a great deal uh, of, of Jesus' heart for the nations. And, you know, we, we would all agree, especially within our own denomination, that like, hey, we are, we are a great commission people. We are called to go to the nations. Well, when it comes to refugees, God is bringing the nations to us. Yet so many times people are like, nope, we don't want them here. But God is bringing them to your doorstep to be able to do what he has called you to do, to fulfill that great commission. And I, I think about that when we go to the camp and we, 
do some teaching of like we we have like a uh, I could teach some church leaders and stuff. Um, eventually, all of those church leaders will at some point be relocated, and so you think about this: you are equipping people to go to be missionaries all over the world, you know, and some of those will be coming to our country to reach our neighbors, our friends, our family, maybe even, you know, and so it's really cool, cool the way that God does it. Okay, any other thoughts about Tracy and her family and their story or how this can be encouraging or challenging to to the church as, as a whole? Final thought? I mean, I think it just... For me personally, it makes me think about how easily I get upset. Like she was, <laughs> this is kind of maybe a funny example, um, but I was thinking about where she was talking about how she like couldn't, like it was so hard for her to sleep at first because there were all these bugs and stuff. And I personally have had lice <laughs> so many times and did this past week and it was so frustrating, but I was still able to sleep because I can go to the store and buy lice shampoo. Like <laughs> it's that simple. And I mean, I think we can all think of, you know, ways we can get so upset and the whole first world problem things, you know, mm. I think it's just convicting in that way as well when we're like considering other people and how the majority of the world lives their everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Brittany, final thought? I'm just thankful that Tracy um, was willing to share her story mm-hmm. so that we can learn from her and her family. And just what a great reminder that our joy and our hope can only be found in Christ. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I think something, too, that we can take from this is Build a bigger table. And what I mean by that is welcome people into your life. There's been so many talks over the years about trying to keep people out um, or build this wall or secure this or whatever. And I and I understand, whatever. But at the same time, like bring people into your life because you're missing a huge blessing and a huge opportunity to love people and a huge opportunity to be like Jesus. When it comes down to it, our call is to love God, to love people, and to live our life with reckless abandon for that cost, to make the name of Jesus known, and to love like Him. And so, um, anyway, I hope this was encouraging to you as you listen. Um, I hope that uh, it gives you a bigger perspective on the kingdom of God, uh, maybe your role in what that might look like, or how you can um, how you can serve others and be a, a, a good neighbor to people. And so. Hope Tracy's story was was impactful, as as impactful to you as it was us. If you have a follow-up question for Tracy, oh, I want to ask you guys one more thing. I was there by myself, and I was a little, a little bit struggling with um, like what what questions to ask her. So, do you feel like that you would have asked her any different question? That's what I wanted to know. That's one question. What what was one question you would have asked her, or a follow-up maybe? Any. Do I, I get you, an A on my interview skills? Or? I think you got an yeah, A. Yeah, I think you did pretty well. Um, I may, pretty well. Just say you think. No, I don't think I would have <laughs> asked any different questions, maybe, but uh, maybe dug a little deeper on, like, what were you actually feeling during this time and those mm-hmm. kinds of things to, like, yeah. get a more personal account. Um, but overall, I think it was good. Yeah. I went for just the facts. You would go for the depth. <laughs> yeah. That's fitting. Yeah. I would That's just it. be curious, you know, when she says that, 
you know, like how was she able to like get through it all, you know, she says like Jesus. And so I would just be curious to hear her thoughts on like, I don't know, just her thoughts of processing everything she went through and how she still knew Jesus was good. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So maybe next time I see her, we'll do that. We'll have a follow up. <laughs> and so, um, she is coming to Canada. Obviously coming to, we're not in Canada, but she is going to Canada. Maybe they're in Canada. August. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're listening from Canada. You better be nice to Tracy. <laughs> um, in August or September. And so hopefully we get a chance to see her in person in Africa before then, um, Lord willing. And so uh, you guys ready to go back? Or, well, back. Yeah, I haven't been yet. You ready to go to Malawi? For sure. For yep. sure. For sure. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Live Love Ministries podcast. We hope it was encouraging, made you think, and broadened your understanding of our mission and the mission of making disciples of all nations. You can find out more information about our ministry at www.liveloveministries.org. If God leads you to partner with us financially through prayer, or if you're interested in bringing a mission team to Arizona or one of our other locations, you can find that information on our website as well. Until next time, keep loving people and keep pointing people to Jesus. And we'll see you then.